0: God, as we come to your holy and perfect word, we ask that you would speak in spite of a foolish servant. Lord, that you would teach us from your word. God, that you would convict us, that you would challenge us. Father, there's probably plenty of us gathered together today who are hurting, who need comfort, who need encouragement, who need strength. And your word is powerfully able to provide all of those things simultaneously to each of us that need them so we lean now on your holy spirit we lean now on your precious word that you have preserved and passed down to us god would you please speak as we your servants are humbly listening we ask this in the name of the father and son and holy spirit amen if you have your bible i invite you to take it and turn with me to hebrews chapter 13 hebrews chapter 13 We will be beginning in verse 7. If you don't have a copy of Scripture with you, I encourage you to look in the back of the pew in front of you. There should be a black one right there in front of you. Feel free to take that. And if you don't have a copy of Scripture at home, you can take that with you, and that will be our gift to you. So feel free to keep that. If you want to just follow along on the screens, that is perfectly fine as well. However you are accessing the text, I would ask if you would please stand out of reverence for the public reading of God's holy word As we look together now at Hebrews chapter 13, beginning in verse 7, the word of the Lord says, remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God, consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. Through him, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise. for that would be of no advantage to you. Pray for us, for we are sure that we have a clear conscience desiring to act honorably in all things. I urge you the more earnestly to do this in order that I may be restored to you the sooner. Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do His will, working in us, that which is pleasing in His sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I appeal to you, brothers, bear with my word of exhortation. For I have written to you briefly, you should know that our brother Timothy has been released, with whom I shall see you if he comes soon. Greet all your leaders and all the saints. Those who come from Italy send you greetings. Grace be with all of you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. If you have been here with us this last month of May, then you may be aware that we have been in this one chapter of Hebrews for the last several weeks. We come to our last and final sermon in our series through the book of Hebrews and our series through this particular chapter of Hebrews. We begin in verse 7. We're talking about remembering leaders, those who spoke the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life. Remember, this is what we said about mothers. To remember our faithful mothers and the outcome of their faith and imitate Them. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Do not be led away by diverse, perverted, strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods. As we get out of this statement that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and we move into a statement about foods, about things that should not be eaten, things that should be eaten, the author of Hebrews is addressing um, by way of passing the issue of eating foods that have been sacrificed to idols, but also a complete and final break with the old Levitical covenant. As if he had not already done that well enough throughout the entire book, we come to this point and it says that our hearts should be strengthened by grace, by the grace of God and not by food that has been sacrificed to idols, nor by food that has been sacrificed to God. If you remember that when the Levitical priests, sacrificed an animal to the Lord, they typically partook of the meat of the animal. They sacrificed it as a burnt offering up to the Lord, and then they ate it as a meal. That was how they got their sustenance. And so this is not worth being devoted to anymore. Be devoted to grace, not being devoted to foods, which have not satisfied, which could not fulfill the law. It was a picture. It was an image. It was not the final sacrifice. It was not the fulfillment of the law, which is only in Christ Jesus. It has not benefited those who were devoted to them. But we have an altar from which those who serve the tent have no right to eat. If you are devoted to the tent, to the tabernacle, to the Levitical law, if you are devoted to the old way and do not have faith in Christ, you have no right to stand before the father. The only way we can stand before God the Father is through faith in Jesus Christ. We are saved by grace and through faith. And we have broken with the old covenant that was only a picture to show us Jesus. And so the author of Hebrews takes this last final moment to refresh our minds and remind us that that is true. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the one that all of those sacrifices were looking towards. Sacrificing those animals was a picture of his sacrifice for us. And so to reemphasize that, we bring the conversation back to Jesus. Verse 12, so Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. On Yom Kippur, the day of atonement, that's one day every year where they make a huge sacrifice and they sprinkle the blood on the people. They use a hyssop branch and they dip it in blood and they sprinkle the blood on the people so that their sins will be covered for another year. And on the Day of Atonement, it's the only day out of the year that they do not eat the sacrifice. The Levitical priests burn up the offering and they take what is left and it is refuse. It is garbage. It is trash. And so it was taken outside of the camp and burned up. That language is very specific for a reason. They did not have indoor plumbing. They took their waste outside of the camp. Any reference in Scripture to outside of the camp is going to hearken back to any Old Testament Jew, the rules and regulations in Deuteronomy regarding where you dig the latrine, where you dig the hole to go to the outhouse, okay? And I'm sorry, I know that that's a little graphic, but that is what comes to mind when you speak of outside the camp to any good, law-abiding Jew who is still following the Old Covenant. Deuteronomy details, you don't, you don't dig an outhouse outside your tent. You go outside the whole camp. So think with me for a moment of hundreds of thousands of Israelites marching in to cross the Jordan and take possession of the promised land. Hundreds of thousands are encamped together. And God says, my spirit is with you in the midst of the camp. So what I want you to do is I want you to go and dig your latrine outside the camp. We're not talking about just walking from in here to right out in the parking lot. There are hundreds of thousands of troops, and you have to walk through all of them in a very long journey to get outside the camp and dig the latrine. So outside of the camp was a very special designation in the minds of the Israelites. It's where all of the waste went say that and make that point because the text tells us that Jesus suffered outside the gate of the city to show us that he became garbage on our behalf. He became the waste product on our behalf. You took the shovels and dug the latrine. That's where Jesus went to be sacrificed. He wasn't clean and pretty. He was beaten beyond recognition. He took the shame and the humiliation that went upon us on Himself. He had the refuse of humanity upon Him. They didn't crucify Him in downtown Jerusalem. They took Him outside the camp. So the author of Hebrews wants us to understand just what Jesus endured on our behalf. It wasn't something that was just physical. It wasn't something that was just painful. It was something that was shameful and humiliating. Jesus became the waste outside the camp on our behalf that is burned up so that diseases would not spread. He became that sacrifice for us. So therefore, let us go to him outside of the camp. The challenge is not to stay comfortable and cozy inside the camp where it's not dirty and filthy and miry and mucky, but to go outside the camp where Jesus went. Ministry is messy. And you've got to get your hands dirty to be a part of the body of Christ. It's not about sitting and being comfortable and cozy, about being clean and happy. It's about going and following Jesus. And if you want to follow Jesus, you've got to know He was willing to go to the outside of the camp. He was willing to go and be a part of where the latrines are dug. We have to be willing to get mixed up with the refuse of humanity if we are going to minister in the name of Jesus Christ. That means you've got to have smelly hands sometimes, folks. Not just dirty hands, disgusting hands. That means you deal with people that you thought I would never deal with in all of my life. I am better than this person. Well, the fact that we have to go outside the camp proves to us that we're not. We're all equal in God's eyes. We all have mess rubbed all over our face. But for our sake, Jesus went and took the mess off of us and rubbed it on his own self to take our punishment, to be messy in our place. And then the author of Hebrews says, we got to follow him outside the camp. doesn't matter if you're a heroin addict. It doesn't matter if you're an alcoholic. It doesn't matter if you're an adulterer, if you're a murderer, if you're a liar, a slanderer, if you're filled with lust, if you're filled with hatred, if you're filled with anger. Whatever the struggle, Jesus was covered in all of our sin that was like waste and refuse to the Father. And so we have to be willing to be in the world and not of the world. But that means getting our hands dirty, following Jesus outside the camp, and folks, if, I, if I'm honest with you, I, like my my recommended job is not to go work on a septic tank, all right? That's just not me. When I when I step in something muddy outside and I and you, woo, it's got that sewage smell to it and you go, mm, something ain't right with the field lines. My first thought is not, this is my home and I will correct it. I will fix it. I am Mr. Fix-It and I will get my hands dirty in the septic tank field lines and I will repair this situation. My first thought is, so who's good with septic tanks around here? Who drives one of the trucks? Who do we call? Because I've, I've already stepped in it. I don't want to deal with it any more than that. Now, that, that might be you, okay? You might be the person who's really comfortable working in your own septic tank, but I'm, I'm not. And if I'm not comfortable working in my own septic tank, I'm definitely not comfortable working in your septic tank, okay? If I'm not comfortable working in my own mess, I ain't comfortable working in yours, I still struggle to watch the scene in Shawshank Redemption where he's crawling to freedom and he crawls through all that stuff. I can't watch it. He's throwing up as he's going. Oh, my goodness. I just can't even think. All the prisoners and he's crawling through all the mess. That's a perfect analogy. That's why Jesus went outside the camp. He crawled through all the mess. And he calls us to follow him outside the camp and be willing to crawl through other people's mess. Because ministry is messy. People are not all clean and tidy. I know you all look beautiful and pretty this morning because you dressed up nice and you came here to church. But you know what? This isn't you. This is the you that you put on to show everybody else at church. The real you, the real me is not Nathan in a suit. I get home and if I know I got nothing else on the agenda, I'm in gym shorts and a t-shirt faster than you can snap your fingers. That is me. If you see me and I'm not in gym shorts and a t-shirt, I'm not comfortable. That is comfortable, laid back Nathan. And that is my mess. And we're to get into each other's mess and help one another minister to one another. It ties through the rest of the chapter. Continually offering up sacrifice and praise. The sacrifice that we make is being willing to be uncomfortable, being willing for things to be inconvenient for us, to love other people in spite of their mess, even when it's hard on us. And it makes us extremely uncomfortable, like this conversation about septic tanks right now. Okay? Some of you are going, preacher, why on earth are you being this vivid? And you are right. So let's continue. Here we have no lasting city, verse 14. But we seek the city that is to come. Folks, it's okay to be involved in the mess of someone else's life. Because this isn't our final home. We're willing to get dirty in this life because there's so much better waiting for us. Do you know why we're willing to sacrifice? It's because this isn't our home. This is not where we belong. This is not where our citizenship is. Our citizenship is in heaven. And that's why the author continues to write and say in verse 17, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Listen, we are accountable to one another. We are a community together in Christ. This is not a club. This is not a free membership. This is not like going and signing up at Costco or Sam's Club. We are committed to one another and willing to get messy in one another's lives and help minister to others and do good and share in the gospel because we are committed to each other. And we have a city that is coming. It's okay for it to be messy. It's okay for us to be in each other's business. We have to be willing to submit to one another. Y'all, that's a scary thought. It's not a, it's not a simple membership. It's a submission, a mutual submission of me submitting to you, of you submitting to one another. And somehow or another, I'm going to have to give an account for the way that I shepherded the way that I directed us to serve and to love. That verse haunts me. Because I know that we'll stand before the Lord. I know that we'll stand before the Father and He will say you are forgiven if you believe in Jesus. But alongside that, there is this understanding that we will have to give an account for all that we have done. There is forgiveness, yes, in the cross, but we have to give an account for the things that we say and do. Matthew twelve, verse thirty six. Matthew chapter twelve, verse thirty six. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. Romans fourteen, twelve. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. James three one. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. Folks, these are just a few verses that give a greater picture of what we really have to do before the Lord. You really have to stand before the Lord and give an account for every time that you were by yourself and you opened up your computer and you went to that website. You really have to give an account for yourself before the Lord of all the ways that you were successful and all the ways that you failed. And anyone who aspires to be a pastor or a teacher is judged with even greater strictness. With that in mind, we should not play church. We should be willing to go outside the camp with one another. We should be willing to submit to one another, to be willing to have awkward conversations about sins in our lives, to be willing to hold one another accountable because there will be a day where Jesus will hold us accountable. I'm not saying that you're going to suffer. I'm not saying that there's a lesser portion of heaven. I'm not saying that there's a purgatory. I'm saying that there is an accountability that God will have for each of us for the things that we've done in life and more so for those who are in leadership. So why do we not hold each other accountable now? Why do we hide the vast majority of our lives from one another? Because we're afraid that people might smell our mess and they might be Turned away from us. They might not realize just how sinful we are. So I better put on a good front and I better look real nice and clean at church. Because if people knew how messy I really am, they might not want to have anything to do with me. They might just take their membership and go to another Sam's and buy another membership at that other Sam's. Do you see how it's flawed from the inside out? When we join a church, it's like becoming a citizen of a nation. And this is the embassy of the kingdom of heaven. And we are a part of this embassy. It's not something that we join and leave and depart. It's not something that we just church hop and go around. It's about being genuinely committed the way a family is committed to one another. Very seldom do I see any churches that are committed to one another like that. Very seldom do we find places where people are submissive to the pastoral authority, where the pastor is accountable to the congregation, where people are willing to have hard conversations. When people leave church these days, you just disappear, right? How many of you have ever heard this conversation before? When you were visiting or or trying to catch up with somebody that you hadn't seen around lately? Oh, yeah, I used to go to that church. I was a member there for like 30 years. And then me and my, my family, we stopped going, and nobody sent a card. Nobody called. Nobody reached out. Nobody, nobody checked to see if we were going through a divorce. Nobody checked to see if we had cancer. Nobody checked on us. Nobody cared about us. We just left. And since nobody checked in, we figured that's how church works. It's, it's, it's okay to just disappear. Folks, that might be how it functions. But that's not how it's supposed to work. We're supposed to be sacrificially committed to one another. We're supposed to be willing to get messy with one another. Even if it means helping your brother clean up the field lines in the septic tank at their house. Emotionally, spiritually, physically, or even actual septic tank lines. Folks, this, is, this isn't fun. This isn't like, hey, what an uplifting sermon from the preacher today. We talked about poo the whole time. It's the analogy the author of Hebrews uses. We miss it because we don't know the Old Testament very well. But he's calling us into community, into family, not just into a shopping center, not just to have a public's card. But your passport to the United States proves your citizenship in the United States. Your membership in a Bible-believing local church proves your belief in Jesus Christ and your citizenship in heaven. When the Lord pulls out those drawers, that filing cabinet, the accountability begins on that day. The evidence is going to be how committed we were to one another. Ninety-four times in the New Testament, We are commanded to do different things for one another, to love one another, to greet one another, to suffer with one another, to bless one another. That's what church is supposed to be. And folks, I I wonder often, how are we living up to that standard as a church? How are we doing at sacrificially committing to one another? Are we willing to go outside the camp together? Are we willing to do ministry even though it's messy together? Are we committed to one another as we are committed to Christ? Or is this just something flippant? Is this just something that we do because it's expected of us in the culture? Is this just a place that we come to to look clean when we're really rotten on the inside? Folks, it's about Loving one another to the point of being willing to get messy. Are you there this morning? Maybe you're here this morning and you didn't realize that Jesus went outside the camp for you. If that's the case, I encourage you to trust in him. Jesus is the only way, the only truth, and the only life. Nobody comes to heaven. Nobody comes to the Father except through Jesus Christ. Faith in him. Would you bow with me? Great God in heaven, we thank you for this Memorial Day weekend. Lord, we remember the sacrifice that Jesus made on this weekend. So many others have made that sacrifice. But Jesus, you made that sacrifice for us. God, we pray you would help us to be committed to one another, to be willing to get messy for one another, to offer up a sacrifice of praise to you, to serve you as a family of faith, as a part of your body, as citizens of heaven. God, we ask that you would move among us, we ask all this in the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit.